On today's episode, I talk all about vaccine side effects. What about the causes of sudden blindness in a dog? I discuss the silent impact of kidney and liver problems and how they can be so well treated. I then answer, is it okay for a dog to sleep with you under the duvet? And then finally, what can be done for a cat who is sneezing, has a runny nose and eye discharge? But first, let's cue the intro. You're listening to the Dr. Alex Answers Podcast, the show that answers all of your dog and cat health questions so they can live healthier, happier lives. And here's your host, veterinarian, Dr. Alex Avery. Hi, and welcome to episode number seven of the Dr. Alex Answers Show. I'm Dr. Alex, the veterinarian behind rpetshealth.com, and I'm so grateful that you're here sharing your valuable time with me. If we're meeting for the first time, then this is the show where I answer all of your dog and cat health questions. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And you can also get your question answered just by heading over to dralexanswers.com. So let's jump into the first question. And that was sent in by an owner whose dog had got his vaccination um, a day previously and he was shaking. He wasn't very well and wondering kind of is that normal? Is that something that can be expected? Well, let's start off with thinking what vaccines actually do. So they're essentially a way of tricking the body into thinking that it is suffering from an infection so that it can then eliminate a true infection at the very early stages when it's just starting before it can then start to affect the rest of the body. And a vaccine does this by the administration of either a dead virus um, or bacteria or a live version that has actually been modified so that it can't fully replic- replicate or in, or it can't cause the full-blown disease that uh, an unmodified bacteria or virus would do. So as a result, we'll often actually see mild side effects which are just signs that the body is essentially fighting a mild infection. Um, you know, and I know personally that after I have a tetanus vaccine, my arm, it really aches for a couple of days and I feel pretty rough for the next 24, 48 hours. And, and that's pretty similar to what we can expect with our pets in some cases. So fever, lethargy, um, inappetence, so going off their food a little bit, weakness, stiffness, or even tenderness, and sometimes local swelling at the area of an injection um, and vaccination really is is not all that uncommon and that can absolutely manifest as shaking or trembling in some dogs. Now these side effects they are more common um, in younger animals certainly in my experience and most dogs actually don't get any kind of problem or they'll just be a little bit quiet and if a dog does experience these side effects or a cat experiences these side effects they typically resolve after about 24 to 48 hours they just don't need any specific treatment, a bit of TLC at home, and they're soon right as rain. And remember, we've got to remember they're protected from potentially fatal disease. So we've got to get our priorities right from that from that point of view. Now, that's not to say that side effects or serious side effects are completely non-existent. There are risks of very rare and but more serious side effects, and that can be an anaphylactic reaction. And that can result in breathing difficulties, collapse, and ultimately death. Um, we can get vomiting and diarrhea. We can get generalised swelling, so of the face, of the neck. Um, and we can also get something called injection site sarcomas, um, typically in cats. Now, they are very rare, but they are tumours that develop at the site of repeated injection. So they're not necessarily vaccine-related. I think it was first thought that they were vaccine related but they're injection site sarcomas so it can be injections for other reasons um they cause these really nasty aggressive tumors so those are the serious side effects but we don't want to overstress those because they are very uncommon now 
for more mild side effects, um, you know, a vet might give some anti-inflammatory medication at the time of vaccine if you know that your your pet has had one of these side effects in the past. Obviously, if they've had a more serious side effect, so if they've been very unwell, if they've had a suspect anaphylactic reaction, you know, if they're vomiting, diarrhea, if they've kind of collapsed, then we really need to be careful with giving follow-up vaccines. So there are different types of vaccination, but we also need to kind of weigh up the benefits against the risks to an individual. So if it's felt that there are going to be serious health risks as a result of vaccination, then we need to question, is it really essential in that individual? So moving on to question number two, and this is all about sudden blindness in dogs. So this dog noticed that the the eyesight was going maybe a week previously, and then the dog suddenly became blind. They took took them to the vet where it's examined, and there was the suspicion that it's going through sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome, or SARDS. Um, and the question is really, well, what are the causes of sudden blindness? Is that going to be the diagnosis? Um, they've done some reading about heart guard. The dog has just started heart guard, and there's potentially some implications that that can cause sudden blindness. And then are there any treatments um, that might actually help this dog regain their sight? So there are potentially a number of causes of sudden blindness in dogs. So the SARDS or sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome is certainly one, but we can also get cataracts due to diabetes. We can get retinal detachment, which can be an immune mediated problem. So the body's immune system isn't working as it should do, um, or it can also be blood pressure blood pressure related which is generally a result of kidney disease Uh, we can also have glaucoma which is an increase in pressure within the eye causing blindness that's often very painful and is quite um, can be quite obvious when it's certainly when it's advanced Um, and we can also get tumors in the eye that can cause blindness and you know there's a whole heap of other things we can get um, brain lesions as well Um, now onto heart guard. Now heart guard contains ivermectin and ivermectin toxicity can cause sudden blindness but at normal doses and even at 10 times the normal dose so 10 times overdose heart guard has been found to be safe even in collies that which is a breed that is known to be more sensitive to the effects of ivermectin than other breeds of dogs. So normal heart guard treatment is really highly unlikely to be responsible for this sudden blindness or for any blindness unless a really serious overdose was given or there was another exposure to a different source of ivermectin. So ivermectin is found in other other parasite control products and also some livestock products and that kind of thing. So if there's been any exposure to to those chemicals, then that's certainly a potential and one to, to bear in mind. Now, the sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome, that's actually a really rare disease. We don't know why it happens. It could be immune mediated. So again, the immune system isn't working properly. Um, it could be due to something called Cushing's disease um, or hyperadrenocorticism, which is uh, an abnormality in a body's either pituitary or adrenal gland. Um, blindness generally occurs in less than one month. So this dog certainly ticks that box. It's often accompanied by an increase in thirst and an increase in hunger. So that would be interesting to know if that was the case. And unfortunately, there's no medical or surgical treatment that we are aware of at this stage to treat that. Now, that could mean that a dog is is blind permanently. But it's important to think that actually many dogs can cope very well with being blind. Some will struggle. um, And my experience is that those dogs that have become blind very, very suddenly, and certainly with something like diabetic cataracts, that can happen in 24 to 48 hours in some cases. So it can come on really suddenly. And that's in both eyes. Um, And they may struggle to cope a little bit more. But those dogs 
that become blind maybe a little bit more slowly, they can cope very well. But we need to be keeping the environment stable. So we don't want to be moving furniture, changing the floor plan of the house just so that your dog kind of is very familiar with their surroundings. We want to install stair gates if you've got any stairs so that they can't... um, either fall downstairs or they can't climb up and get themselves into trouble and that can cause them some serious injuries you can also get something called a halo harness when your dog is out so that is a little harness that they wear and it's got uh, a kind of almost like a plastic halo rim that goes around their face so that when they are coming up to bump into something then that actually knocks into that halo the dog feels it and they're not going to bump into it and hurt themselves you know talking to your dog is also important just don't sneak up on them because that can give them a fright and cause a great deal of anxiety so while it can be very distressing and understandably it's very distressing for for any dog that goes blind suddenly they often will cope very well um, with a few changes and a few adaptations to their their lifestyle so that's definitely something to consider But remember that the information I give in these podcasts is not a substitute for a consultation and examination with your pet's veterinarian and should not be taken as specific advice for any individual pet. If your pet is unwell, if they're injured or if they're suffering from any kind of problem or you have any concerns, then talking to your vet is always the best course of action. Get your question answered at dralexanswers.com. Question number three was sent in by an owner who had a really elderly dog who three years previously was diagnosed with serious kidney and liver problems and they really just want um, want me to talk about the silent impact of kidney and liver disease and how they can actually be treated so well. So this is a 17 year old dog who is actually who was doing very well for three whole years after being diagnosed with diagnosed with some potentially serious life-threatening diseases so yeah absolutely kidney and liver disease problems um they're they're not uncommon in both elderly dogs and cats they often sneak up slowly over time and so it can actually be quite late when a diagnosis is reached we're not necessarily picking up that they're unwell that they're not feeling themselves that their appetite might have reduced a little bit their weight might have started to fall off they might have started to drink a little bit more water but they can all be quite subtle changes And unless you're sitting there watching your dog or cat every day and measuring their water intake and constantly recording their weight, they're easy things to miss. Um, You know, and the liver and kidneys, they're crucial organs that affect every part of the body. So, you know, that said, the most common signs, like I say, we get an increased thirst, an increase in urination. Um, We can also get vomiting and diarrhea as things progress. We can get inappetence leading to anorexia so they can start to become a little bit picky and then completely go off their food we then move on to lethargy to weakness in the case of liver disease we can get jaundice so that's when their gums or the whites of the eyes become very yellow Um, and you know it can then progress to seizures and coma and ultimately these diseases are deadly if they're left untreated or if they progress to a certain level despite treatment you know, that being said, early early treatment especially can carry an excellent prognosis. So if we can, with any of these problems, with these changes that we notice in our dog, if we can identify an underlying cause um, for them, then we're going to be in a much better better position to, to treat them more effectively in the early stages. Um, that can involve dietary management. It can involve techniques to maintain hydration so getting your dog or cat to drink more water or changing them onto a wet diet Um, it can involve other supplementation so especially with liver disease there are a number of different different supplements that we give to help reduce inflammation to help reduce scarring um, and to help support the liver function going forward other supplements might be with kidney disease it might be phosphate binders so with 
dogs and cats with kidney disease, they tend to have really high blood phosphate levels, which can cause the disease to progress at a greater rate. So we want to try and reduce that. We also want to control other symptoms. So that can be nausea. It can be high blood pressure. It can be anemia. You know, there's a number of other knock-on effects that these conditions have that we need to control. But if we're addressing things early, then we can actually have a really good outcome and we can have a Uh, or your pet can have an excellent quality of life and also increase their quantity of life. If we're, on the other hand, only diagnosing them late in the day when an animal is already having seizures, when they're completely anorexic, they're off their food, they've lost a whole load of weight, then unfortunately often the prognosis is a lot more grave and often those patients won't recover as well as we would expect or they won't recover at all despite our best efforts. So as with everything, if we get onto any changes, any problems early, we're going to be in a much better position to successfully treat our pets. And before we jump into the next question, I just want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my other podcast, the Our Pets Health Podcast. And that's the show that brings you pet health information to help you prevent disease, keep your pet healthy or treat them to the best of your ability should they become injured or unwell. Just search for Our Pets Health in your favourite podcast app to start listening today. You're listening to the Dr. Alex Answers Show. Question number four was sent in by the owner of a little chihuahua who is wondering, is it okay for their dog to sleep in their bed? Because this wee dog likes to snuggle up under the covers um, and curl up at the foot of their bed. And they're wondering if that's okay. Is that safe for the dog? Is it okay for them? So to start with, about half of all dog owners let their dog sleep on their bed. So you're definitely not alone in allowing this. And it actually may help you feel safe. It might help you feel a little bit more cosy, as well as reduce any anxiety that you might be feeling. But it has also definitely been shown that it does lead to a more disturbed sleep And certainly from our point of view, chronic sleep deprivation, it can have significant health consequences. Depending on how you're managing your dog at the rest of the time, if they're spending every last minute with you, then that can actually potentially lead to separation anxiety. And, you know, that's sleeping in the bed is pretty unlikely to be the only cause of this. But like I say, if your dog is spending every minute of the day with you and every minute of the night as well, then that can result in that separation anxiety because they're just not used to you leaving they're not used to being left alone they don't know how to entertain themselves how to amuse themselves um so you know that's something to to consider if your dog is just sleeping in your bed um with you but in the day you know you're off at work they're used to being left left in the house by themselves um you're giving them chew toys you're giving them food puzzles that kind of thing then you know it's unlikely to cause any behavioral problems from your dog's point of view and then the last comment really is just that for a small dog certainly a little chihuahua you want to be careful that you don't roll over and crush them now that might sound a little bit far-fetched but you know it's certainly possible if they're if they're sleeping right next to you and you're a heavy sleeper you could roll on top of them and that could cause them some some serious issues and also potentially be fatal now the chances of that happening are pretty remote but it's just something to consider especially if you've got a really small breed or a toy breed dog who is sleeping in your bed and then finally question number five is sent in from the owner of a cat who was attacked actually attacked by a pit bull a week previously no seemingly bad injuries just had a toenail that was was ripped but then three days ago started to sneeze started to have a runny nose um, and had stuff in his eyes so had a bit of a discharge from his eyes now to start with those signs of of disease that are going on they don't sound like a typical post-fight 
injury or any kind of problem that would happen as a result of of being attacked by a pit bull you know obviously getting checked over by your vet is very important after any kind of trauma like that certainly dogs can do a huge amount of damage to to cats um, and i imagine that the the cat was checked over or at least i hope it was now what these signs do sound typical of though is respiratory disease so disease of the the upper airway so the nose um and the yeah and really that can often be caused by stress so stress can flare up often these viral diseases so we have a couple of cat flu viruses which are typical um, in cats and very common in that called herpes virus which is um, the same as what causes cold sores in us or the same family of viruses that causes cold sores in humans Um, and also Khaleesi virus is another one and they can be present in a normal healthy individual uh, and they will flare up at times of stress now if it's only mild disease then they can be fairly self-limiting meaning that they will get better by themselves without any particular treatment you know we need to keep the eyes clear we need to try and um, remove any discharge from the nose Um, but yeah very often as the stress dies away so there's you know if we can avoid any more fights um, in this case then you know likely the disease will resolve itself now we can sometimes though need other medications so that might include something like lysine supplementation it could be eye medication in case there's any ulcers developing Um, we can need antibiotics sometimes for any secondary infection so sometimes the bacteria that are normally present in these areas will take advantage of the inflammation and damage that the virus is the the viruses are causing um, and need antibiotics to control those we can also need to give warm strong smelling food to make sure that our cats continue eating a cat with a completely blocked nose often finds it hard to eat or they don't have an appetite because they rely on their sense of smell so much for their appetite and and therefore they go off their food a little bit um putting them in a steamy room can also help just to mobilize that mucus any buildup that's happening in their nose um again just to clear their nose now if the disease is affecting a cat's general demeanor or it's getting worse or it's not going away then obviously you need to consult with your vet even if it's something that you've dealt with time again if they've had a similar problem in the past if they're getting worse if it's not going away then talking to your vet and getting them checked over to make sure that there aren't any other injuries or other diseases is going to be very important so that's it for this episode of the podcast remember to head over to dralexanswers.com where you'll find the links and downloads mentioned in today's show remember to subscribe share this podcast with your pet owning friends and family and until next time i'm dr alex take care you've been listening to the dr alex answers podcast be sure to rate review subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode of the show where you ask the questions and dr alex answers